Hello and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Henry Bellani, a financial services executive and global head of industry at Encompass. We further unpack the world of anti-money laundering and regulatory technology, also known as RegTech, which Henry is passionately spearheading, and we discuss Henry's life history and what led him to the role. Do you think this is the right approach they've taken regulatory? Because, I mean, some of me feels like they're like, yeah, get the IDs of everyone. And some of me feels like, follow the money. Because if I wanted to launder money, I'd open a nightclub, you know, or a strip club. Or, or a car wash. Or, or a car both. wash. Or both. Possibly a combined. Or, three or combined. apparently a sweet shop, according to Oxford High Street at the moment. All these sweet shops have turned the up. America, the American sweet shops. Yeah, and I always thought that uh, the, um, oh, what's the place that sells steaks uh, everywhere? Am- Aberdeen Steakhouse, that's <laughs> got to be a front. That must be. It, like, how what? they survived All the these, like, really... No one was in there. A couple of American tourists thinking, God, this is awful. <laughs> but the point is that there are a lot of storefronts, right? There are a lot of storefronts out there that you may may not know, right? I live in Chicago. I live in the suburb of Chicago, and there was actually this... Uh, the classic mobster town as well. Uh, well, I mean, Super it used cool. to be, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's everywhere. But the point is, I have this, uh, there is this nail salon that's close to where I live, and it's always empty. And it's existed for years. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how, how are you surviving? Yeah. How are you surviving? That's, that's so weird. So, yeah. you know, I was thinking there's money laundering in there. But do you um, do you think that this is the right, the right approach? Like, that, 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 yeah, let's just take everyone's IDs. I mean, is it, is it, do you know if it's successful as an approach? It's a challenge. Yes, I agree. It's, it's, it is a challenge because at the end of the day, you know, going back to the example of, you know, documentation that may or may not be real, number one, that's outright fraud. That's not what sophisticated launderers would do. They probably set up these shell companies. That's actually legit, by the way. Yeah. And you've got all the information in there and then you're stuck. It is challenging. Absolutely. In fact, I was in Cambridge all last week. We had an international uh, symposium on economic crime. I go there every year. It's, 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 it's a great conference. Got a lot of judiciary... Uh, law enforcement, regulators, businesses uh, come in and we chat about these types of issues. It'd be great if they had gambling in the evening. It'd be <laughs> great to see your conference all around the tables. <laughs> Fucking go on, Harry. You know, oh, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. I'm from now. Chicago. You'd be you like running a table. <laughs> <laughs> What's the stereotyping going on yeah, here? There is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you, this is how you learn how to beat them, you know what I mean? There you you go, know, there anyway, you go. Anyway. Yeah, no, but the point is that it is ineffective. There are challenges, right? We've, we get into a, into a process where it's more focused on the actual process itself than the outcome. As long as I meet these steps, right? Step A, I got to get your documentation. Step B, I run it through a certain process. Step three, I, I assess the risk of that customer. And then step four, I give you or not or deny you an account. As opposed to, am I, I, need, I need to find the bad guy. Because they're not that, come on, there's not that many bad guys it's out there. It's because we're all terrified that we're going to get done for aiding and abetting a money launderer. So provided I can tick my boxes and say... I'm definitely sure that I didn't have any suspicion that there was anything weird going on here. You know, that's I've done my job. It doesn't actually really matter who that person is or what they're doing. And that's the problem. Yeah. They should ask you how, how, how much suspicion you have that they're not going to pay your bill. And the more certain you are they're going to pay the bill, the more you know they're a fraudster. <laughs> <laughs> and that's inherently the problem here, right? Because at the end of the day, all you're doing is you have a tick-the-box exercise and you're done. 
and then yeah, you, yeah. You, your obligation is done. Have you actually gone down and really tried to investigate whether that's a bad guy in the first place? No, not really. The trouble with regulation is you, you don't want regulation. You want the opposite. Whatever, they're just to flow easy. I mean, you talk to our parents about getting on a plane in the 1950s, walk in the airport, get on the plane. That was it. There was no, there wasn't even barely a shop. Cup but of there tea. was a limited chance that you would die because somebody had a bomb. That's yeah. the thing. But these things now, like you need four different bank accounts open all the time because someone's going to close your account from or freeze it. What, what just happened? What was that going on? And I mean, to be fair, you know, I think they have an impossible job ahead of them. So, I mean, do you do you feel the new technologies coming in? Is that going to make things more difficult or easier? It's it's helping. It's helping. Okay, it, it's, is it? It is helping. Right. So uh, let me let me kind of uh, segue a little bit into yeah. some of the research that I've done. So you know that I have also got a, uh, a doctorate in finance. And I spend a little bit of time trying to figure out the impact of regulations. And the focus there really at, at the end of the day is about trying to understand when you implement regulations, what does it actually mean for the banking industry? All right, this is getting really wonky here, I apologize. Wonky in the US means that you're really into policy. You're really into focus around- A policy around, wonk. Oh, yeah, exactly, thank you. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, shout out to my daughter who was American University. They're all policy wonks, okay. okay. So the point being that uh, the, 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 the impact of regulations I was looking at is like, to your point, right? Surely regulation is going to cause challenges in the industry. No, it's not. It's the other way around. Oh. So I did, a, I looked at, the fourth anti-money laundering directive. Oh, it's a cracker, that one. I love that one. <laughs> His next question, what the hell is that? He's no, not no, no, no. I think that's the British law. That's the one we're under, isn't it, currently? There was, a, that, it was, it was when Britain was under, uh, with, together with the, with the EU, it was the fourth anti-money yeah, laundering directive. That name is very well. Right, right. Yeah. We, we're already getting to the fifth, and then we're going to go into the sixth money laundering directive. Yeah. And so that's, Don't do it again. <laughs> but the point there is that I looked at all the banks in, the, in Europe, public banks, and look at their stock, and try to understand as a result of the introduction of the regulations, it, the stock value should go down because everyone's complaining about how difficult it would be. It's actually the reverse. The stock values of the banking industry as a result of the introduction of the fourth anti-money laundering directive bent up. Oh, because they're more secure institutions with yeah. less, and they become better stock. Bingo. Yeah. As an investor, right, I'm looking at anything that's least risky. Right, I'm, I'm balancing. I've also got a risk, uh, risk uh, assessment I'm making. So if it's lower risk, then it's more predictable. Then I probably would be more comfortable, again, depending on what my risk profile is, investing in that industry. The same thing with other regulations, by the way. I didn't, I didn't just focus on the fourth money laundering directive. I looked in the US, for example, something called the Patriot Act. Same thing. So there's a tendency for at least the banking industry, when you look at regulations, is actually going to increase the value of this banking industry. It's, you know, it's you, for exactly the reason you're saying that a bank here, it's very hard to open a bank as a foreign company because basically you're a your compliance risk nightmare and they're not going to earn any money out of you. And as, as we're already alluding to, it just can't be fucked, basically. What, you know, is it the same in America? If I come and open a bank account in America? Pretty much, yeah. I was told in America it's like, and I don't mean to make this sound dodgy, but kind of you can get a bank account if you're willing to pay they'll get you a bank account open in days because there's so many little banks and stuff. You can just take a suitcase full of really dodgy money into a bank. Yeah, I'm not quite saying that. I think literally pay for services. If you're prepared to get a check, you can get a lawyer and he'll get you this bank and he'll charge you 20 grand and they'll get you a bank account in two days sort of thing. Well, I love the way you stereotype all these things here. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll just say, I'll give you my life story for a second. Yeah, right? So I'm an immigrant, story. grew up in Singapore, Hong Kong and Singapore, moved to the UK as a student, 
did my undergraduate degree, then moved to the US. What did your parents do? Why were you in Hong Kong and Singapore? Uh, business. They were they were Indian merchants, and okay. so they you know they set up a, a textile business, jewelry business, etc. Yeah. Indians Indians generally are fairly entrepreneurial. So we did some of that kind of work. So, so it ended up happening. I needed to open up a bank account in the UK. I needed to open up a bank in the US. A bank account in the US. It's relatively the same. I mean, you still need all your documentation in front of you. You're walking in with a bag of cash immediately sends up a, a red flag. That's this funny thing I always have to tell my clients because you have to say when you open, don't put any money in it, and they're like, don't tell the bank you're going to put any money in it, and they're like what the fuck are you talking about? And you're like, no, no, when you're opening it, just say you're going to put a pound in it. And it's like, you know. Yeah, no, but the point is that it doesn't matter. The more cash you bring in, the more suspicious you're going yeah, to get yeah, yeah. in terms of red yeah. flags. So no, I don't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring in a bag of cash into a small bank because they know that they're going to get nailed, shut down. The primary regulators typically and the ones that enforce these types of penalties are which countries? The US. The largest penalty was against a French bank uh, we'll remain nameless right now, but uh, that French bank was fined about $9 billion. That's with a B. The ID checks, I were told, were introduced in the UK post 9-11. America says, you want to do business with us, we want you to keep the IDs. Because the thing that annoyed me is you guys didn't do it. For 15 years, you could do business in America. But is that right? Because that would that would connect to the fact that America is is very keen to enforce the, the regulation, as it were. I'm not that that's a negative thing. I think it's probably quite a positive thing. Thing, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you also not got to think. I mean, America is not this amorphous blob hole. No. I mean, you, it, it's fifty states. Yeah. And when you want to set up a company in the U.S., you go it by state level. You don't set up a federal company. You set up a state level company, and each state has own has own regulations in terms of setting that up in terms of what's so required. So everyone and so sets forth. it up in Delaware. It's Delaware. There's uh, there's Wyoming. There is uh, South Dakota. They're just places that don't really have any business in them, and they want to make it get people in. So the point is this, right? There are more companies in Delaware than there are people. Yeah, wow. Okay. Same thing in South Dakota and same thing in but probably... But three in that case. There we go. The point is that they make money off of business registration services, so professional yeah. services firms out there. Yeah. That's what they make money off. So they encourage that kind of that kind of business because they bring revenue to the, uh, you know, to the state. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is I would like, you know, speaking as somebody that has to do KYC all the time, automation in some ways would be really good, more of it, because there are certain things, depersonalizing it would help. Because, for example, you know, when I have clients who are raising money and the investors want to put the money with us, one of the things we have to do is ask them how they made their money, source of wealth and source of funds. And almost invariably, one out of every three investors gets immensely insulted by me asking. Because they're like, why are you asking? And I'm like, because I have to make sure that you haven't made your money via proceeds of crime. Are you calling me a criminal? No, no, I'm really not. But anything where you could kind of like take the personal out of it and start having some kind of electronic system to do that. Right. So amazing. let me send you a license agreement tomorrow. You yeah, sign it and off great. you go. But yeah. it's about trust and verify at the end of the day, right? I mean, it's, look, you go back to your, your prospective customers and say, look, this is what the regulations are. This is why we are doing it. And it's still balked. Then you, and then you got to think twice. It's like, yeah. this is something that is normal. We have regulations, for example, in the UK where law firms and uh, accountants, professional services firms are subject to these types of regulations. Yeah. It's not so in the US, for example. 
Juice. Banks, yes. The other, really? the other services okay. providers. We're going through some. We have another uh, regulation called the Enablers Act, by the way. Another, another. I suppose I would have to qualify. <laughs> I'd have to Brilliant. qualify for one of the American bars, wouldn't I? It's not as easy as just moving over there because there's no KYC. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Tempting as that might be. Yeah, and this Enablers Act is looking at bringing on these other professional, these service registration firms and so forth into the mix in terms of doing KYC. So, Philip, exactly what you're trying to do here. They're looking to do that uh, in in the US. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Ori Clark got its start back in 1935. And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy, they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935 Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Within all these topics, is there a part of this that's a particular passion for you? Uh, You talked about 9-11, September 11, 2001. Uh, I had colleagues that died there. Okay. So uh, I don't want to be a big downer right now, but the yeah, point is that yeah. you know it's when you re- when you realize what happened and why it happened and the lack of controls that we had put in place as a result of that, the the terrorists were, uh, went learned how to fly a plane in Florida. They paid with cash. Wow. They went to ATMs. They stuck the ATM card and then pulled out cash, and. So the issue is, if we had a little bit more stringent controls in place in terms of who could originally start up an account in the first place, maybe we'd have caught them. I don't know whether we had, we, no, so it's hypothetical. But the point is that we got to realize that we live in a new world. We got to have, uh, you know, controls in place. Otherwise, we're going to have another, you know, terrorist attack. And it's funded by funds that, you know, probably come from the Western financial system. So it had quite a profound impact on you that moment, and 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 people see it as a failure of sort of, um, I guess, governance systems of, of of monitoring and control. Do you think that they we should get rid of cash entirely? Do you think cash has a function? Eventually, yes. Eventually, eventually cash yes. has a function. Eventually, well, no. Eventually, we should get rid of cash entirely. Ah. I'm saying, yeah, cash. Obviously, I mean, cash is just a, a you know a, a unit of accounting. Yeah, I mean, you guys are accountants, so you know that very well, right? But the point is that the unit of accounting that we she's got. Look at, I'm a lawyer. Really I've known, I know nothing. <laughs> she's, she's in a room at the moment, going ah in her head. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the point is that it's 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 a ledger keep book keeping bookkeeping system. At the end of the day, all of this, we have different representations of cash, right? We had stone pebbles, we had larger, you know, uh, shells, um, and then then we had. Physical coins that that were worth its weight in gold, so to speak, or whatever goats, precious metals. That kind of thing. Then we had goats yeah. and so forth, and it evolves through the point where we are now looking at taking away these physical pieces of paper and going all digital, all cashless societies. When you walk into Sweden, when you go to Sweden, for example, they hardly take cash anywhere. In the UK, I mean, I pulled out maybe about 20, 30 pounds. Since COVID, it's quite a lot of places don't. Care I don't cash. use it anymore. What, what about the homeless people, though? Yeah. 
And what and what what about doing something dodgy? I know this is going to sound ridiculous. Is it illegal to do something dodgy? <laughs> well, it might be, but it's like it, 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 there's a big old land of grey. You know, there's a sort of world in which you know. I don't know. Yeah, you, you, like, you said two things, right? Uh, the, what about the homeless people, and what about what about it being dodgy? You're right about the homeless people because I never have any money in my purse to give them anymore. Yeah, and if they start waving their phone at me, then I'm going to pay by whatever. That's Contact. like that's upsetting. That is, isn't so, it? So yeah, I mean, it's like uh, the thing is. But I don't know what the, the percentage of in terms of uh, foreign ownership in in Western developed countries. It's got to be pretty high. Oh, 99 ninety percent. So everybody has a phone. The point is that they can use phones to be able to transfer money around. I'll yeah. give you an example: Kenya. Right? There's, there's a uh, system called M-Pesa, which is actually um, you don't need a bank account for that. It's really SMSs that they send back and forth to each other. So literally, um, you know, you can send an SMS to your to your grandmother in in a remote village in Kenya, and she receives that code. She goes to the corner store. She gives them that code. They give her cash. So this whole process, you don't need an ATM. You don't need a bank account. So you're literally using your, your your digital phones, and it can be a dumb phone. It doesn't have to be a smartphone. So you're using the person in the shop as the ATM. Exactly. And there's a network that's been set up, and it's fairly sophisticated. I mean, Kenya actually leads some leads uh, you know many countries in terms of the transfer of wealth back and forth, the transfer payments, or whatever the case is. You need to pay your you know your plumber. Uh, you can just send an SMS, kind of what we do here as well. But they've done it probably about ten. 15 years ago. So going back to your idea about the homeless people, rather than you, uh, why don't you send him an SMS and he gets a, he gets a cash in his wallet, which is the wallet's representing his phone. So like, do you think out of all of this, the way you see finance and everything, do you think capitalism is a bit broken? Do you think we can fix it with a sort of band-aid of money laundering? And- well, it's, it's, I mean, that's such a broad question, right? I mean, economists try and figure that out and we still haven't figured it out. Is it, is, is it broken? Of course it's broken. Is it, what's the next best alternative? Right. I mean, you, you put whatever political economic system you want in there, and uh, it's it depends on how you feel about it. At the end of the day, would you rather be living in common in in a communist society versus a capitalist society? You know, I think that's in some ways we we're here in the West, and it's uh, we feel a bit more free. Yes, it's broken. Agreed, but it's the next best alternative that we have. Yeah. Yeah, we got to, we, we we almost have to fix it, I guess. Is, yeah. uh, oh, we definitely have to fix it. We definitely have to yeah. fix it. I think it's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's areas of improvement. The thing is, at the end of the day, capitalism uh, appeals to the most basic instinct that we have, right? Yeah, don't underestimate our greed. Yes. Yeah, but it's just the huge disparity between different The way it accumulates. It's yeah. monopoly. The problem with monopoly. I um, uh, was listening to this thing about how... Um, don't play your kids Monopoly because basically you have to destroy their hopes and I dreams. I used to make they my nieces to, cry They have to see how cruel time. yeah, the world yeah. is. And you just stay, you're just like, you've just landed on my hotel. Uh, you don't have even near enough money to pay me now. You know, you're in my servitude. My best thing was always, um, this is a bit of a Monopoly geek thing, but sit on, when you start the game, you get two 500 pound notes. Sit on one of them so nobody knows that you have it. So that when it looks like you've got no money left and they think they're going to win, you whip it out and they cry. Yeah, wow. It's amazing. There we go. Yeah, but here's here's where Monopoly falls down in terms of capitalist system. It's fixed in terms of number of resources, the number of hotels, the number of cash that you have, except that you're a little trick about the 500-pound note. (laughs) But then you, you just increase the supply of cash, right, capital. And you increase the potential 
economic output. Again, I'm so you quantitatively ease within monopoly. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> but the point that, that what Catalybsin has brought to us is actually we've been able to efficiently utilize resources more, you know, and it, it creates a better standard of living. Yeah. What's wrong with that? So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, it's goodbye.